Hey all, welcome to a dram of diving. Um, we're going to take a little minute and let everybody kind of get caught up on the whole thing. But today we were talking about uh, traveling cave divers. Uh, we have uh, Natalie and Roger joining us initially, and there's a potential of having a couple other people joining in, depending on what their schedule is like, uh, to kind of give this their opinion and how they are handling uh uh, their instruction with different cave and cavern type diving. So the the topic of the conversation tonight is basically uh, we're going to focus on cave cavern, but the idea overall is if you are not actively diving in an area or with a specific activity, should you be instructing it? And that is kind of what we're going to delve into and discuss. And there's a lot of traveling instructors doing different things. And, and the the idea is... I dive wrecks. Even if I was cavern and cave experience, I should not teach cavern and cave. I live in upstate New York. We don't have any caverns and caves, really. We might have a mine, but that's about it. And I should not be instructing because I am not qualified. I'm not actively doing that. So the idea is I dive wrecks and I should be teaching wrecks because I dive them significantly over and over and over again. So we are going to delve into that topic uh, with Natalie and Roger initially and see if some of our other uh, friends join us. Uh, they had some prior commitments, so we're gonna try and get them going. As always, we appreciate any support in any way, shape or form. Uh, and we uh, have you know, the, the Patreon, which will be a link at the end and uh, some different glassware and stuff like that for whiskey. I do have a special whiskey that uh, I'm going to be grabbing on for tonight. I grabbed it from Vine and Barrel across the street. They told me I needed to have it, so I'm not quite sure. So I'll pour this and we'll see um, if our guests don't have any whiskey. It's okay, I'll cheers them without it. It's all good. So without any more delay, we will join our guests in here. So I'm gonna add Natalie and add Roger. Hello guys, how are we doing? up y'all very good very nice so um so cheers i don't know if you guys have drinks or not but it's all good if you don't so cheers it's okay <laughs> um, You're gonna have to take one for the team man i will take one for the team. it's all good next time next time, next time so, <laughs> drunk is bad we went through that last time i think we're good last um time good, man <laughs> last time was fun. It was interesting. Um, we're going to delve into that a little bit more, I believe. So uh, one of the topics, uh, some things have popped up without getting too many details of, of kind of where this kind of came from is um, we hear it a lot here. And, and I had a conversation. I had a, I had a Helitrox student that came to me and said, all right, how much do you really truly dive the Helitrox? How much do you dive helium? How much are you diving these things? Because I want an instructor that's actually active with this. And a couple of things have been posted on social media and recently that have shown light on potential, like it's traveling. And where do you draw the line of, all right, are you really truly diving here a lot? Are you really truly experienced? Or how, how qualified are you to teach? And are you teaching the first day you show up? And uh, I think it's, I think Roger, you've got a probably a very interesting take on this from the move that we talked about last time you guys were on and, and Natalie, I'm sure you guys see it. You guys aren't that far apart from each other. Um, and the experiences you guys have in, in a bunch of different areas. And I think it's going to give us a very interesting uh, take on this. So let's start out with uh, Natalie. Do you see a lot of traveling instructors that are coming down and teaching cave and cavern in your area? We see some. I would say on any given day, the vast majority of the cave instructors you would see at a dive site 
would actually be local instructors. Uh, but particularly during busy seasons, um, holidays, and just other time frames, we do have, we do find people that uh, aren't living here permanently uh, teaching in the case here, for sure. Yeah, and uh, Roger, you guys are very close to each other. But Raj, what are you what are you seeing from from your standpoint on on all this uh, traveling instructors? No, much the same. It's the people that I tend to bump into at the dive sites are people who are local. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, you bump into like some odd person who you may not recognize. At least they're they have some seeming passing familiarity with the dive sites anyway. So yeah. it's not like people are showing up here completely. Like, uh, so where, where's the entrance, by the way? What's that? I have seen people doing that. <laughs> I mean, I definitely told them where the kids gave them as much information as I could because the other option was they were randomly going to look for it. But yeah. And just start rooting around in the wrong direction. Right. No, it's, uh, I think the story that Jason, you and I talked about, mm -hmm. what, what was it two months ago or whatever yeah. is when I first started coming down here 12, 13 years ago, it was under the supervision of a guide mm -hmm. for a couple of years. And then I'd visit the sites that I knew and then hire a guide for a couple of days and learn a couple more sites. And then with that, you learn a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then it kind of reaches a point where I, I'm very happy to now be a guide. I'm very happy to be one of those people who can show people these places or even just tell people where these places are. It's rare that I've actually encountered people who show up here and on day one are like, so uh, we're in Mexico. Let's learn how to do that together. <laughs> no, people are usually at least coming down here with some familiarity of the place. What about Florida? Much the same. Yeah. In Florida, the environment is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Florida, there's, I don't want to say that it's a more closed community, but there are kind of fewer dive sites and it's a little bit more of its own little ecosystem where when people come down, they're kind of cognizant of the fact that they're entering a little ecosystem yep. versus here in Mexico where this is a vacation dive area. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's recreational, whether it's cave, whatever. So I think when people go down to Florida, they really need to look to kind of the Floridians, so to speak. Yep. Uh, whereas here in Mexico, it's, I mean, I'm an American. Natalie's an American. There are a lot of Italians around. There are a lot of Spaniards around. There are a lot of Mexicans around. There are a bunch of Germans, there are a bunch of French. It's it's this very international kind of, it's not a microcosm, it's more of a nexus here. Yeah. So yeah. when people visit here, I have no idea where I'm going with that. <laughs> that works, that's fine. It's more like people are wandering into a room and like, wow, this is 
freaking great. <laughs> and most everybody is willing to participate in that. Yeah. And it's there definitely two different interesting cultures of that. And, you know, I am a, a wreck diver at heart and I uh, wanted to do some cave cavern training and tried to line some stuff up to uh, to accentuate and kind of change how I teach maybe some wreck penetration type stuff and, and how we're, we're handling wreck. And I, I always looked at that. Uh, there were two roadblocks I ran into. One roadblock was my wife said she doesn't want me cave or cavern diving, but th there's ways to get around that. Um, and then, you know, flowers and jewelry and things of that nature. Um, and the, the second uh, one I ran into is uh, as I was picking an instructor and working on things, one of, and I was really close to actually grabbing one for, for Florida and kind of working it out because I, I vet a lot. Like I, I really, I really watch people and how they interact on social media and, and what they're doing and what their philosophies are and, and have little conversations. And, and, um, if I'm looking for training, I, there's a lot that I do with that. Um, so one of the things that popped up is as I was in the middle of that, it, it was a Florida group, but it was basically like, if you're not planning on being a cave or cavern diver, don't even come here for instruction. And like a bunch of people echoed that. And it was just like a weird, it was just an, I think a momentary like Facebook, like, Oh, you people should stay away type of thing. And it was like, I just want to be better. And they quite literally were just like, if you just want to be better at something, don't show up for this, which is weird. And it was kind of a turnoff, but then talking to those same people, it didn't seem like it was echoed later on of the exact same way, but it, that microcosm, like you were talking about of Florida became a little bit of a turnoff where I started looking for Mexico and like Natalie and I were talking about Michelle Vasquez was who kind of took me into caves and caverns. And, and I took a look at that. Um, and, uh, it was just a very different feel between the two areas. Um, so Florida seems to be that, that microcosm, but we're not getting, I was expecting more of like a traveling type of instructor because it's an easy drive for the U S Natalie, do you have much experience in Florida or did you pick up most of it? One time and it was really amazing and I loved it. Okay, good. That's a, that an excellent answer. I, I love that answer. Florida. I had a, uh, New Year's Eve dinner with them. Nice. Uh, yeah, before they came down here. Was it New Year's? It was New I Year's. Thought, or I thought Christmas. it was Thanksgiving, wasn't it? No, the Thanksgiving was this year. Oh, okay. I was definitely there on Christmas time. I think it was New Year's. Nice. Yep. Okay. That works. I'm not very good with dates. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so Brock, should the distinction be more towards traveling instructors who are occasional ca cave instructors? And, and I guess that's that's where we're eventually going with this whole thing of there are people that adequately travel and, you know, there is no way with three children, a wife and three dogs that I'm I wrecks every single freaking weekend. Like it's close, but it's not quite there. And normally there's like a, it's two weekends and then kind of like an argumentative weekend. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, but that brings up a very good point of, you know, some people are actually capable, like maybe they don't live in Florida, but they drive down there all the freaking time or they travel all around the world and dive caves and caverns. And I think that that brings up a different, different aspect. What's your guys takes? Um, we'll go back up to Natalie because she didn't have as much to say about Florida of uh, people who like how much experience, how much should people be diving on their own or in the caves and caverns before they're really a first with teaching it. So, um, so you're talking about level of experience. Is that right? 
yeah, love so experience, say, continued experience. So not just yeah, because yeah. you've had experience, did you continue on with that? Right. Okay. So for me, um, because I, I do own a dive center and I do hire people periodically, uh, and I'm really picky about this. So uh, the first thing is, I think you need to be, and I would say this, I would hazard this with any sort of technical instruction period because the stakes are so high with technical diving. I think you need to be actively diving in that environment. Um, I, I would say, you know, like there are places where you can't dive in the winter or things like that. But I would say minimum uh, like a couple times a week. Like I mean, if you're going to teach wrecks, you probably go wreck diving every weekend when you can. I would, hmm. I would imagine. So the first thing is you need to be actively and continuously diving it. Like if I had an instructor who wasn't going, like had a week off and didn't go cave diving at least a couple times during that uh, – during that week, I would I would be super disappointed. I think you need to be passionate about it. You need to kind of live, breathe, and eat this style of diving. In addition, I think um, to be teaching something, uh, you should be diving at a much higher level than at your, than what you're teaching. So I wouldn't accept a cave instructor to work for me who wasn't like already stage diving and blah 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 blah. You need to be teaching much higher than like diving much higher than where you're teaching. So what you're teaching is cake for you. It shouldn't yep. be something that you're worried about. So um, I'd say actively diving in that environment at those sites on a weekly basis, at least would be like a cutoff for me. And then um, enthusiastic about it, doing it for fun on somebody's time off. Cause you don't want to, do you want to dive with somebody who's like, Ooh, yeah, okay. It's okay. I know people like yeah. um, and who only do it as a job and they don't go cave diving like that's no fun. And then also, as I said, uh, diving at a much higher level than what they're choosing to teach at. Like right. I'm a primix diver, but I don't do it enough that I would even consider teaching it. Right. Right. So I'm like, I dive trimix all the time. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what we, I mean, that's anything past hundred feet and, um that i dive it and it's it's constant so um but it's dark dirty new jersey diving it's dark dirty oh it's not really dark and dirty but we you know st lawrence river and, and it's you know everything everything's a little bit deeper and and a little bit uh, a little bit different we don't have the restrictions of the caves so uh before i ask roger i'm going to bring john in and say hi to john what's up mr baker what's up how y'all doing not bad uh <laughs> We might need an interpreter for John at some point in time, but I'll, I'll do what I can. So I went to Clemson, so I'll do my best in interpretation. We don't we don't have Joseph Glenn to run our interpretation, but I'll try. I'll see what I can do. Um, oh, that was great. <laughs> all right. So, Roger, um, same general question that I gave to Nat. Like, what are you seeing as kind of minimum requirement? Not really requirements, but like what you like to see with somebody that's actually traveling and doing some stuff. I think uh, Nat really touched on the key points and those really being be passionate about what you're teaching, be an active and passionate diver, at least one, if not several levels beyond what you're trying to teach. And I think that actually goes to one of the things that you, it was kind of a, a, a cast off question that you asked earlier on about how when somebody might just show up and start teaching on day one. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're not actively diving in an environment, 
I'm sorry, I need to put an ellipsis at the end of that sentence and just sort of reflect back on how kind of my arc as an instructor, I absolutely refused to become a cave instructor for years and years and years because I was cave diving as much as I possibly could, but as much as I possibly could was one or two weeks a year. And I didn't feel that was adequate for me to be a cave instructor. Most certainly not in North Florida, where I didn't live when I was in Brooklyn, or in Mexico when I was living in Brooklyn. I didn't feel it would be appropriate or fair to a student to land in Mexico and say, hey, let's, uh, let's all learn to cave dive together. That's <laughs> really not nice. Uh, when I moved down to Florida for about a year, then I felt equipped to say, okay, now I'm ready to become a cave instructor. I got down to Mexico and I reached out to a lot of the local instructors and guides and dive masters in the area and said, hey, all of you know my now cave instruction experience has been in Florida, now in Mexico. How do we do this down here? And I, I felt pretty welcomed into the community down here and learned a lot from people down here. So now I feel equipped to teach in Mexico. Um, I'm a Trimix instructor. I'm an advanced nitrox deco instructor. You know, it's, it's yeah. fancy pants stuff. Mm -hmm. Mostly I cave dive at 30 feet these days. If I'm going to try and teach a Trimix class, I'm going to go out into the ocean for at least a couple of weeks mm -hmm. and get my kind of Trimix shoes back on. Because as much Trimix diving as I've been doing over a decade now, I'm not ready to go teach a Trimix class tomorrow because mm -hmm. it's not the kind of diving that I do all the time anymore. And, right. I think and, you, and you cut your teeth in New Jersey doing that sort of diving all the time, right? That was, yeah, that's kind of where I grew up, yeah. like doing deep, dark, uh, what you call it, just shitty and silty wreck diving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're doing the oil wreck in a couple of weeks. In a month, we're doing the oil wreck. So, <laughs> I'm yeah. actually super jealous. <laughs> nice. Like I'm works. sitting a kilometer away from the Mesoamerican Reef and two kilometers away from Taj Mahal. I miss the oil wreck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're doing it. If you're around in the U.S., well, if you can get back to the U.S. in mid-October, we're doing it. So, we'll see. Rock and roll. Yeah. No, but it's not something that I'd be comfortable saying like, hey, let's – I'm going to teach you a Trimix class on the oil rack next week. Mm -hmm. That's Definitely not something I'm doing all of the time. Yeah. So, uh, again, to Natalie's point, dive a couple levels beyond what you're teaching. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, Derek wants to know where I'm sending my uh, cave diving instructor hurt feelings reports to. I sent them to you, Derek, and you didn't care. And you just said, forget you. So we had the conversation. So you didn't file the report and escalate that, Derek. So you can deal with it and your tuxedo dry suit shit. So, you can send them to me and I'll, I'll deal with them. All right. That works. I'll come down and train with you guys. Absolutely. But I just have to uh, buy some jewelry and flowers and convince my wife that I should be allowed to do so. So I would more than love to do that. Um, all right. So with that. John Baker's hanging out. I think he's got his camera worked out by now. We, we, we went through a couple of renditions. So uh, they put you in the corner, huh? We just got the internet on computers last week. 
Oh, so. yeah, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> South Carolina is a little behind that's everybody right. else. <laughs> we got a traffic light and we just picked out our colors. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all right. So I have to, because you brought that up in Syracuse, there is an upside down traffic light. Okay. Yeah, there is one that is green up top and red down bottom up on uh, in the Irish section of town because the Irish kept throwing uh, uh, rocks at it until they broke it until they flipped it over. <laughs> Dead awesome. serious. Yeah. Oh, All right. Man. So um, Roger kind of kit on why I invited Roger into the grouping because I, I know from watching social media and interacting with Roger a little bit of the fact of kind of his roots and kind of his journey down there. And we've, we've discussed before. Um, John and I discussed earlier today of, you know, John's an experienced diver and, and he's done the Doria and you've, you've done um, a bunch of cave diving, but you don't teach cave. Correct, John? That's correct. All right. You do, however, teach other things. Yes. Yeah. I teach um, um, all the way through advanced trimix. I'm an instructor trainer with uh, TDI and also uh, a few rebreathers. Nice. So, so you are active. You are qualified in lots of different areas you're qualified in above the area where you would possibly be teaching why don't you teach cave or cavern uh, quite or any frankly sort? because I, I well one the closest cave is six hours from where i live so i don't get to dive it near like i would like to so um you know uh, i think it would be like a disservice to my students a disservice to uh the training agency and uh and to myself you know um i see a lot of uh guys down there that do traveling instruction and stuff like that but you could always not always but like a lot of times you could tell in the water you know <laughs> that they're not there a lot um and uh you know i just feel like it's a sport you know cave diving like anything uh that if you're going to be an instructor at it you should be doing actively all the time uh, i get to do a lot of wreck diving i get to do a lot of deep diving i have a lake that's two hours from my house that i'm at every weekend that's 400 feet deep I've been diving that lake every weekend for, I mean, I've, I've been diving since I was 12 and that lake's near my house. So, you know, I've got, I got to do a lot of cool diving there. And, uh, but you know, um, my cave diving is infrequent. So, I mean, you, you know, and, uh, I think a lot of times it may come down to what we as, uh, maybe instructor trainers teach our, uh, students or, you know, or instructor candidates, you know, Hey, try to be an instructor in everything you can. It makes you more marketable. It makes you, you know, get as many specialty ratings as you can. You can make more money this way. And I think we have to be careful of that because uh, I think it's a slippery slope into making bad instructor or bad, bad students. And, uh, um, uh, or, you know, students that are not capable of the skills. Um, a good friend of mine, um, I think uh, he, he did he did it well when he became a cave instructor. He moved down to cave country in northern Florida and dove for four, four or five years and got under mentorship programs and things like that before he ever even taught a first cavern course. And to me, that's an appropriate way to do that more so than just like, hey, I met my minimums. I met, you know, I've got the minimum required dives. I, I took the course. I can do the skills, but like, you know. Uh, I think that would, that's a more appropriate, just like Natalie and Roger was talking about, you know, living, living the life. Uh, you know, I think it's more of a lifestyle thing too. Um, especially in the tech diving for, this is my opinion. All right. Uh, that's but, why uh, we have uh, you on. I want your, opinion. I, know, I have opinion, <laughs> um, but as a tech instructor, like this is, uh, this is my full-time job. I don't do anything but teach tech. Um, and I think it's, uh, you know, especially at this level and when you're having students come 
from all over. Um, you got to be on your A game and you've got to know what you're doing. And this is, uh, you know, inherently dangerous stuff. So, you know, if I've only getting to dive caves once a month, I'm going to miss stuff. Um, I'm rusty as crap when I get in the water. If I, after I've been out of the water for a week or two, like, uh, I feel, I feel bad. And like, especially in caves where I only get to do it like once every, you know, three or four months, I feel like a, a cluster, you know? Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I, um, you know, I think, uh, we have to change our mindset and training and, uh, and the way we talk to our uh, instructor candidates and stuff like that about, you know, what's, what's real, you know, uh, you know, uh, is, is it a reality for you to be teaching caves and only getting to dive caves once a month? Uh, I don't think so. So, yeah, that's, uh, we, I do that with a couple of different things. I, I put two of my instructors and they taught rescue and I watched them and I was like, I, I've got no, based off of what they did with rescue, I've got no right in teaching rescue because what their class, what they produced for a class was out through the roof. Like, yeah, I've got a bunch of medical experience. Yeah. I've got a bunch of experiences in diving. But what they right. did when they worked together was just through the roof, like, holy hell, like, that's just great. <laughs> and, and one of our instructors is a Marine who basically got dropped in a jungle with a piece of paper with some blood on it and got out. And I'm like, you teach nap. Like, you're fine. I don't need right. to teach nap. Like, you, you, you're the guy on that one. I would um, probably teach a pretty horrible rescue course. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I've so, actually got a, a moment a couple of years ago. Nellie had some friends visit uh from germany and they really wanted to do a discover scuba i have taught hundreds of discover scubas over the years it's been like 10 years since the last time i did one but i thought like that's ah, like riding a bike should be a piece of cake put both of them in the pool they were great it was it was fantastic we went to cozumel we descended, one took off that way, the other took off that way. Like, oh, right, that happens. <laughs> I totally forgot. Like my skill yeah. set on Discover Scuba, rusty mm -hmm. as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's completely different. If you not teach an open water course right now, I would be like the world's worst open water instructor. They'd be I like, why? I'm like, oh, let, let, let me get the whiteboard and I'll explain to you like why. We're gonna be here all day, honey. Like, <laughs> okay, we're gonna be like, we have to it by the end. Yep. I stay, stay well versed in the open water, but I, I've been trying to move out of it, but I've got friends that are taking it. So I still play around in that realm, but there, there's a lot that I hand off because I spend most of my time doing the tactical stuff. Uh, Derek Ferguson actually and I did our, uh, our uh, Discover Scuba like practice things together and we were horrible to each other so i, I pretty well practiced in that because of how poorly he treated me and i treated him in that so uh it was good uh very different skill set is all it is a very different skill set completely um so all right so i'm going to ask a question um i don't want anybody to get in trouble so however you want to answer it you can answer it because i know how the community is um well, I don't know completely, but I have a general idea. So we're going to go. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, I I tried to kiss. I've got the picture of me trying to get the person in the IE. Um, <laughs> yes, that definitely happened. So, all right. So back at it. Um, we're going to go round robin. We'll go Natalie, Roger, John. Uh, the Instagram culture, the, the, the pictures, does... The, we see a lot of people that go to the instructor for the, well, not a lot of people. I don't want to, I don't want to preface it. We see, I have seen people that go, I want to take 
class with so-and-so because of the pictures they take. How has the Instagram culture kind of affected things? And um, does a good picture make a good instructor? If you're willing to answer those. Natalie, go ahead. <laughs> a good picture does not necessarily make a good instructor. And half the time we've got the Instagram posts, the people that the posts people are, the pictures people are posting are not, they're not the photographers. Um, so I think you can think of Instagram in two ways. Um, the first time, okay, so I, I have an Instagram, I, I, I do the social media, and I have had multiple, multiple students now, and I asked them, why did you decide to do your training with me? Well, they discovered me through Instagram, but mm -hmm. they also told me my Instagram was off the hook, and that's why they decided to do training with me. So that, that was horrifying to me, because... I was like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can teach a course anymore, <laughs> right? Because I don't know about your judgment. Yep. <laughs> but at the end of it, like, I did a lot of thinking because I, I was really upset about this because the person didn't seem stupid, right? The person seemed like a, a logical, a good human being. And I realized, like, one thing maybe that you, you can take away from this uh, is you can maybe get a bit of a vibe about what the person's about. Right. So if my Instagram is all about like, well, if you look at my Instagram, you, you get a concept because it's all really pretty photos. And I'm like putting little facts in about like cave formation and shit. And like I have, in my opinion, like a wonder and awe with the environment that will not go away. So if you're going to do dive with me, you're going to get somebody's going to be like, oh, this is so pretty. Look at this. Don't you love it? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, let me tell you how this formed. I'm into science. Like, I'm into, like, this kind of side of things. Where there are other people who see the Instagram, and it's very clear that it's, like, a machismo person. So they're like, oh, yeah, like, we went in, like, 4,000 feet into the cave today, and there was, like, pep and flow, and we worked it. It was super – well, that's not – so you, and maybe somebody wants that as an instructor, like from their instructor, maybe they're a machismo person and they're into it. That's who they're going to vibe with. But so I went from being like, this is terrible and a horrible reason to like, okay, well, maybe you can learn a little bit about the, the personality and the style and what the person's looking at if they're doing a good job of expressing that through social media. So maybe that's a bit of a thing. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, media as well so you can't necessarily get the vibe to make you feel a little better i mean derek ferguson's not an actual instructor so that instagram doesn't count <laughs> <Thank God. laughs> um so but that that's a good assessment i mean that that's exactly kind of the idea is it it does it drive yeah it drives we use instagram we use social media we use all those things to try and drive students towards us but um that's an interesting take is the whole iceberg thing of, you know, what went into getting to those to, to get those pictures. And then suddenly you've got the end result. Um, Roger, uh, uh, if you are willing to uh, take on that question. Uh, it's, social media is a valuable tool. Yeah. It's for all the. I try to stay active on social media, mostly because. Easy What's that? You do just fine. <laughs> I like to write, and I just I, I like to type and whatever fucking random weird shit happens <laughs> in my head. 
I feel like, oh, people would be interested in this. Nobody really is. <laughs> oh, they are. Don't me. start. <laughs> um, but I think in a large part, kind of what Natalie was saying is that at least it exposes you to the sort of person that you might be getting involved with. And that really is valuable. I mean, it's diving is this really communal experience. It's this really social experience. And you don't want to be stuck in a room with somebody who is probably me most of the time, because I'm just weird and I live in my head and I'm pedantic and I overthink things too much. And we get that from your social media. Exactly. So at least it runs people away. So um, you're also very clever and charming and interesting. And I love having conversations with you. So I would like to come to your course with that because it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I can have conversations while they're in the cave dives. It'd be fun. <laughs> I love geeking out about the science of things. Yeah. One of the things that you put together over the last, what's it been, three or four months now, is this sort of Sunday, like, hey, let's all hang out. And let's talk, like, let's really geek out about the geology of things. Like, why was And that's really exciting. It is. And it gets kind of the sorts of people excited about those sorts of things versus somebody who, as you said, if you're more excited about, like, I'm going to go explore and be hardcore, well, you need... I'm I'm not hardcore. I'm a fucking dork. If you want to come and hang out with me, we're not going to be hardcore. We're going to be geeky. Can we be a hardcore instructor or a hardcore explorer and still be a huge geek? I think that's not yeah. a. I think a, you've got that locked up. Like yeah. you, No, the the. I'm going to be the dorkiest hardcore instructor you've ever met. The format is completely closed to you. <laughs> no, um, it's. It's almost a necessary evil, honestly, mm-hmm. kind of to, to bring things back into a little bit of focus. I, I don't like being super active and super vocal. It doesn't come naturally to me. It's, it's weird to me. But it is kind of necessary for me to just be, hey, you guys want to go cave diving? Because mm-hmm. cave diving is fucking awesome. <laughs> So I kind of need to keep putting things out there. Yes. And at least for me, I need to measure that against my, like, I'm also a nihilist jerk. (laughs) Another reason why I love you. (laughs) But that's how I feel like a, a lot of the people that I've been hanging out with, that I've been diving with, kind of identify like, oh, there's a geeky, vegan, nihilist douchebag who gets really excited about geology and hydrogeology. Got totally tongue twisted on that. Uh Hydrology. Um, Versus somebody who might just get really excited about like, all I want is super cool pictures. I'm not a photographer. I can't give you that. So at least there's a little bit of value in social media in that, as Natalie was saying before, you can kind of try and identify who is the person you're going to click best with. Right. And that's that happy medium, right? Of is it, is it a photographer that happens to instruct cave or is it a cave instructor who's doing photography for other things? 
and I'll digress to John. Um, so, John, um, I'm just going to keep going there. Uh, so, John, uh, there's a thing called Instagram. It's on a cell phone. We have oh. smartphones now. Yeah, it's just it, you'll get it uh, oh, in two, three Ten years, years probably. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, it it types pretty fast, so you might need to slow it down a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, there it is. There it is. It's on there. Um, nice. I use the voice to talk and everybody that works with me says, are you 90? And I'm like, I hate typing. So. I love it. But I have also ADHD and I forgot what we're talking about. I know. I'm bringing it back. Don't worry about it. And we got a little different. Us on this side of the screen have got a little bit different perspective than everybody else on the other side of the screen. So um, we're in a weird situation where you can get really, well, some of the wrecks that, that we tend to go to and see, you get a little spotlight and then there's a piece of metal and people are like, uh, all right, like that's, that's great. That's, that's metal there. Like, yeah. And then you see a picture of it later on. You're like, Oh, okay. I kind of get that. Um, there are some of the great lake stuff and some of the St. Lawrence stuff. If you got good viz, you can actually see something, but some of those Jersey and, and North Carolina, South Carolina type wrecks, it's like, all right, I was one foot away from this and it's a piece of metal. Um, but the Instagram type of culture of, you know, are, are you seeing it, John, in the, let's say, because we kind of brought you in for, for the, the, the counter of, um, you don't teach it because you don't dive it enough. Are you seeing it in, um, we'll, we'll progress towards the the rec community of people that are coming and going, I want to dive that rec because I saw a pretty, pretty picture. Can you get me there? Hmm. I mean, sure. Like, uh, I mean, I think we see it in everything, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, with Facebook and Instagram and all that, I still haven't figured out Instagram. <laughs> but, Dude, um, seriously, you think, take a picture and you post it. You take a picture oh, okay. and you post it. That's you post it. it. But then you have all, all these tags and all these keywords. Anyway, I'm trying to learn. but um, And uh, <laughs> fortunately, I have some help. But okay. uh, I just read a whole tutorial on instagram stories recently i've been watching there you go i was like i'm like how do you do this why why are you doing this why does everything right. have to value so like, i literally read like spent an hour and a half researching why you should do instagram stories <laughs> oh love man it. so uh, yeah i've been trying to learn it and stuff like that and it does help because um well, okay, for me, I use it because I have a business and I need to advertise my business and it's a good way to advertise it. And uh, I get a lot of, uh, I think I just left again. My screen just No, you're good. Out. You're yeah. there. We got you. Okay. So, I, I mean, so we share photos and things like that. And obviously, you know, I need money to be able to pay my mortgage and gas and, and buy other cool scuba stuff and feed my kids and stuff like that. So, you know, I'll look at it as a great tool for advertising and a great tool for, you know, recruiting, um, you know, new students and stuff. I think sometimes it can be uh, where, you know, people see like, Hey, he went on this wreck and you went on this wreck. Hey, I want to go. And I'm like, you know, Hey, there's a path to get there. And sometimes, you know, you have to slow people down. Um, I think social media is what you make it just like anything. Um, what I've found recently, cause yeah, I love Facebook. I, um, apparently that's for old people. I was told the other day, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's okay. Like, but uh, yes. Yeah. We're, we're the true. old people just so you oh, know, dang. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I love scrolling on it and stuff, but um, I met a guy, uh, a couple uh, about 
six or seven years ago came through my shop. We became really good friends and he has, he has a smartphone, but he has no social media. And, and uh, I, I knew it was out there, but it kind of blew my mind at the same time that there is a whole group of people out there mm-hmm. that are not connected on social media. Yep. And he's a big, uh, he lives in Moab, like Utah and big mountain biking. And there's a giant community uh, of people out there that, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to reach because they're a bunch of badasses jumping off the sides of mountains with, you know, parachutes and mountain bikes and never been on Facebook. You'll never see a picture of these guys on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, and I'm trying to like, how do I reach these guys? How do I advertise mm-hmm. to that community? So, you know, um, so, you know, uh, to me, that was a little bit mind boggling because a, a great deal of my, uh, a great deal of my clients come off of Facebook. Mm-hmm. and uh and not instagram because i'm not good at it <laughs> but um but yeah uh i think you know i think it's a tool and uh it is what we make it so just like anything um um what do other people do with it i mean i've seen all kinds of stuff and you know people people love pictures and of themselves doing cool stuff heck yeah i, I love it too if i do something cool or do a cool dive i want people to know about it that's just you know most of the time that's the human nature very few people do something very awesome and just sit silently at home about it. And it's a great, you know, way to share that with people and your friends and family. Um, but, you know, uh, I think it's just kind of one of those things that is what you make it. Um, it. It can be used for good or bad or however you want to do it. So um, I think we just have to be careful. I think, like I said, a lot of times people see, you know, uh, you know, divers who are very experienced, you know, posting these dives. Hey, I did, you know, 24 hours in a cave and deco and stuff like that. Hey, you think I could do that in the next couple of weeks? And uh, I get those, believe it or not, you know, every week people coming in, hey, I see what y'all do. What will it take for me to get there? And I think, you know, they can get there. We just have to, you know, explain and make it steps and make sure they're getting experience and experience between their courses and stuff like that. But um, I, Maybe that answers your question, but yeah, it does. So, so the whole idea is is to come round Robin to, to the idea of you got that iceberg effect, right? So you've got all this base work that you're bringing up to, and then you've got the pictures up at the top. And it's the same thing as some of the, the traveling instructor type stuff is that there's all this base work. And if you're not doing all the base work, like, yeah, you've got this top, but you don't just get the top for no reason at all. You have to put that base work in. Um, and there's lots of different reasons behind it. And, you know, I've seen right. in the past four years, I have had multiple people who have pretty much been more every year for the past four years, one to two people who are more concerned about getting a picture in the gear than the certification itself. We don't sell scuba classes. We sell Facebook photos. <laughs> exactly. Like. Ice, dry suit, and a couple other things. We take a chainsaw, right. we cut through the ice, and we throw divers right. in it just in case. I don't know if you got ice down there or not. But um, no, that's, yeah, something. But like 10, 12 inches of ice, we throw right. divers through. And they want to take a picture on the ice and see, you know, it, right. and it comes up that way. Um, there are flip sides to it. So Derek actually brings up a good point for once. Um, I've foregone quite a few exploration dives to do photo dives with krill, not for marketing purposes, but to show people what's underneath their feet so they can protect it. So that coming, we've kind of, we've kind of gone off track, but it's a good conversation to have of the fact that, that all of this stuff that is coming to, to a head with, with Instagram and social media and traveling instruction and the perception uh, there are goods and bads to it, right? So those instructors who are traveling could bring someone down from, I'll just use my area, upstate New York and say, I 
say I would never do this, but say I become a cave cave diver, I get just the minimum, I become a cave instructor, um, and I bring divers down with me, at least they get exposed and maybe they're going to protect it. Um, maybe they're going to get exposure to my social media feed. tights and break them. What? <laughs> say it again, Nat. They're gonna, they're just gonna crap like go. <laughs> I totally disagree with this. They're not but like, yeah, that's nice, but why wouldn't you just take them through a shop that knows what they're doing? Oh, I agree 100 percent I'm just saying that that's that's a that's an argument that's there, right? So but the argument- people can be encouraged to seek. Like I wouldn't go teach in Florida, I would send somebody to an instructor I think is good in Florida. Oh my god, Nat, but you're gonna lose money. I will. Well, actually, no, because, you know, it's weird how the community works that way. Someday that instructor might actually send me some work that we could all just do what we're good at. You have a lot of trust in shady scuba instructors. <laughs> I do. I do, but you know what? Usually it works out okay. Um, do you want to – I don't know where we – where were we? <laughs> we can go wherever you want, Nat. At this point in time, you've taken control of everything. Go ahead. What you got? I was, I just like, we were talking about uh, guest destruction and I w- I had some points. Yes, bring it. Absolutely. <laughs> I was trying to get back there. So you're bringing me back to where I was trying that, to get to. That's what I was hearing in your, in your comments. So. Yes. So go ahead. What points do you have, Nat? All right. So I, in general, and I, I think you can argue against some of these points. And I'll just say that originally by working with a local dive center who's going to basically babysit the instructor. Um, I think you can get around it a little bit. However, I would say there's a lot of, for me, points where you shouldn't really be teaching in a place you're not diving all the time um, from a perspective of living here in Mexico versus everywhere else. Uh, the first is just the safety infrastructure. So like if you are a traveling instructor and you're down here, like maybe maybe you've taken the time to come up with an emergency action plan, but do you know how to get to Hospital at the entrance of Playa del Carmen when the person breaks their leg? Because that's the place that takes the cross blue shield from the U.S. and you happen to know this because you've lived here for 15 years, so you know which hospital to take the person to. And oh, there's a roadblock, so I know how to get around it. I know how to deal with the police stop when I get there, right? Or do you have, do you know the hyperbaric position at the chamber on a first name basis is a procedure for dealing with things to the point, right? So there's a lot of safety infrastructure that you just don't get. And yet maybe you can work with a local dive shop and work through them, but are they diving while you're underwater and the thing happens? Yeah, see, I, I completely disagree. I say just bail and give it to them. Like, that's my <laughs> that's my thing. Like, you are not qualified. Done. Sad. I will say it. You're not qualified. I don't give a shit what your Instagram looks like. You're not qualified. Hand it off to somebody that is. Right. Okay. But so that's the first point. I played my cards. <laughs> I, for years, every time I taught a first aid class, I reveled in asking people what just the emergency number was in the UK. What's the emergency number in Mexico? What's the emergency? It's always posted in a hotel lobby. The emergency number is always posted there. In the US, it's 911. It is I mean, here. I don't know what it is in Mexico anymore. It's 911 now. It's 911. It wasn't as of, what was it, two years ago. 
Uh, in oh, South Carolina, it's just nine. They can't figure out the next two numbers. So. We don't know where the 11 is. On the <laughs> we still can't find the 11. That is the comment of the day. <laughs> All right, so that was the say safety infrastructure, number one. Um, number two, when you're talking about safety, just the ability to deal with things in that country. And so here, like, if you're going to dive with somebody down here, they should probably speak Spanish. Because you probably, like, if something goes wrong, you need that person that you're diving with to speak the local language, right? So, like, mm -hmm. if, if my tire, tire pops and I have to pull over and somebody's going to help me, you need somebody who's able to assess whether they're mugging you or trying to help because of their language skills. So you probably need separate thing. If you're going to a foreign country, I don't think you have any business independently teaching unless you actually speak the language well of the country that you're working on. Next point. Uh, How many bullet points are there, Nat? I'm excited. Bring it, Nat. I love this. We're going to go a little long because I want to hear all of Nat's points. Go, Nat. Go. Okay, if you're going to teach a cave course in Taj Mahal and your student does something stupid, you best have intimate knowledge of every single every single jump line in the full system so you know where to look for them. And you think maybe they know where you go. If you only know the two lines that you teach on, you've got a problem. Because if things go wrong or you get confused, you're going to die and the student is going to die. Right? Like, legitimately, this can be an issue. So, uh, you, like, you would need, if you are a guest student instructing somewhere, like, the knowledge that I have or Roger has of Taj Mahal, which means you need to have dived that place hundreds of times before you should be teaching there. Like my instructors need to hand draw me like a, a stick map from memory before I would love to teach somewhere of all the sidelines that they're not going to be teaching on because something you could end up there and you better recognize where you are. And I think a visiting instructor in a cave situation is never going to attain that level of knowledge that we have if we're diving the place in the training site every day. Then there's the whole problem of legality of it, right? So it is actually uh -huh. illegal for a foreign instructor to come here and work without a visa and take money for the job that they're doing in Mexico. So there are ways around this, of course, like you could, I could have a guest instructor working for me, you could pay me and I could pay the guest instructor. Now I'm the illegal person. Someone's <laughs> doing something illegal, right? Um, when they're doing this. And so first of all, that's like, I mean, now all these people in the US, oh, like, like the illegal immigrants in Mexico, and then they come down here and teach cave diving. Well, it's just so, so now they're the illegal immigrant illegally working and stealing our jobs. Um, Where was this 30 minutes ago? We just stirred this up. And so, and then people can come down here and then there's that whole thing, right? So now they're not paying taxes. A normal tax bill for my shop because I do everything on the books 100%. I don't like high cash or anything like that is usually between five and $6,000 a month. It's 35% of my income goes to taxes, between sales tax and income tax, right? Because I'm in a higher tax bracket because I have a lot of money coming in. So that enables, A, first thing, people to undercut local prices and drive local shops out of business. But B, now they're doing something illegal. Like, And so if you have a problem with people doing that in the U.S., for example, well, where does my taxes go to? I'm not necessarily happy about where my taxes go in Mexico, but some of it, some of it goes to the nice roads we have and things here, right? And so now I'm paying back to the country I've chosen to adopt and live in, which is fair. It's fair. You don't get to like float it and make a bunch of money under the table in cash and then leave. 
taking advantage of everything that our country has put together in a developing country that needs that money and then just walks off. <laughs> That's really rude. And anybody who does that, you should seriously reevaluate their morals and their ethics before you use them as a cave instructor. Um, and then we have just like all the local training protocols and things. So do you know what a training cave is? We're going to republish the training caves because it's a huge issue. You have people coming in from like Europe that don't know that you shouldn't do lost line drills in the Hodgdachich and trash this beautiful cave because there's specific caves and specific lines where we do these things, right? And so now we've got all these foreign instructors coming in and doing things because they just don't know and don't bother to find out. And now they're destroying, you know, hundreds of world caves. And so there's a conservation. One of the things that I've been really excited about recently is the the career line committee yeah how there has been a very specific i mean there's a vote active right now yeah. about where do we conduct certain drills that's always been around so we're asking everybody to ratify it and then it's going to mm -hmm. go everywhere the, the goal is anywhere that gives tanks out has it right so, uh, like Kuzel, if you can rent tanks for Kuzel, they have it, blah, 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 blah. So you can see where you can be doing this. And then as a local committee, we're going to be real naive at first and just talk nicely to the people and hope they stop. But then you could just go back to the tank rental place and tell them what's going on. And then we'll stop you a few tanks. The problem is solved. It's as simple as that. Uh, but then we can keep going, right? There's the issues of trespass. There are people that come down here and find an exploration cave and hunt it down and don't have permission to be there. And now it's trespass. So that's a personal issue um, for somebody being there because there are, uh, what is it, like castle laws? So if you're illegally on somebody's land, even if it's not posted, they can shoot you and kill you and they're within their rights. And yeah, they're South Carolina too. fucking weird about their ranches, let me tell you. So it's a danger thing for somebody to be coming down here and just trying to find a, a, a site that's remote based on a GPS point. They don't know that. And there are instructors that come down and do this. And then there's the other side of it where it's dangerous for an individual person, which is unfortunately we have cartels. And so um, I do personally know people who have stumbled upon things like airstrips in the middle of the forest where if like, somebody sees you seeing that, they're going to kill you. Like literally, you'll just you will have disappeared. Um, there are ranches where there are people running like cocaine through, and you do not want to accidentally step onto that because your life is over and nobody will know. And so this is a thing, right? You don't know the trespass and the local laws and the dark side of the place where you are. You're naively just skipping around the forest finding sites. And one just learned about that at a site that's right near us. Yeah. Uh, somebody yeah. pointed out like. Uh, don't go anywhere near that. Yeah. So yeah. quite literally, we're like, hey, let's have a conversation about Instagram. And Nat's like, let me write down that we should be concerned about cartels. <laughs> like, Nat, that's a card you play way earlier. Like, yeah, well, you, you got up on this other thing, right? So yeah, well, that's fine. Interrupt me and be like, we have cartels. Just freaking put that out there. Like, I thought, I thought, I like, North Florida would make a great... Who knows where I can be and not? Yeah. I will maybe walk around the edges of the cartel ranches so we don't get in trouble. Yeah. Like, this has happened. I've had to skirt around cartel ranches. Or I've been like, hey, like, local contact. We, like, saw this cool ranch and we left a note, seeing if he has any cenotes. He was like, you did what? <laughs> and we're like, oh, we're like, oh, never knock on that door. Do not leave them your phone number. Like, do not walk back there ever. We're like, 
Quite literally, three quarters of us just have a Google of Florida man, and you've got like cartel inside information. Like this is stuff that should have been brought up a half an hour ago. You shouldn't be like skipping around in the forest as a foreign instructor trying to find some cool remote site because you don't know what the deal is with that site. And furthermore, there is somebody who trespassed into one of my exploration sites that I could, I did, I did legitimately try to get this person access to it. The landowner said no. He doesn't want anybody except us right because he knows us and that's it it's not open to the public and somebody snuck in there and dived it and during this time frame maya pottery from the entrance went missing now do i think the cave diver took the maya pottery absolutely not there's no way this person did that for all the things i maybe don't love about this person i don't think they're actually stealing archaeological remains right however the landowner thinks they did that they're blaming the cave divers. I'm sure it was just some local dudes who wandered in and like stole the things to sell to gringo archaeologists. But that's not what the landowner thinks. They're blaming the foreigners now. So the site's closed and they've notified the archaeological organization that this person stole stuff. Actually, they have I no proof that it's going to happen. But that's, that's a problem, right? So you have to be aware of sort of local protocols as far as trespass and landowner rights. And you have to respect them because you might actually get shot or you might end up in legal problems. There's an interesting point between landowner relations. Jason, you were asking earlier about yeah. you know, the differences between Mexico and Florida. In Florida, the vast majority of the cave sites are owned by the state. There are a little smattering that aren't. You know, there are a couple that are privately held. Here in Mexico, they're almost all privately owned. And or worse, community owned. <laughs> uh, so the relationships between the cave diving community and those landowners can be unique between dive instructor and landowner, between mm -hmm. different diving instructors. It's sometimes it's kind of anything can happen day. And when people just show up and assume like, oh, I should I should be able to dive here because my buddy told me it was okay that person may not be cognizant of something that happened a week ago that has affected the landowner's relationship with the cave diving community in such a way that if something happened, that landowner would just go, we're done. I mean, it had places closed because somebody just showed up without permission and found a spot. And I know that there is nothing online about it. So there's no way for anybody to know. It's just like somebody was looking, found a cave and decided to dive it. And we didn't have anything to do with it. Nobody had anything to do with it, but the site still got closed. The landowner told us no more diving. We don't want random people on my property that I don't know. So for us who are down here, we lose this really valuable dive site. For somebody who's traveled down here, like, oh, it's, sorry, and then they go home. Uh, it's not unique to Florida. That's or not unique to Mexico. That's happened in Florida too. And I digress to yeah. John. We're not going to go down that road. Um, <laughs> so... so uh, <laughs> You're up. No, don't start, Derek. Well, you, oh, I've always Jesus that Christ. North, I've always thought that North Florida would make an awesome like cave diving soap opera or something like that. But what I'm hearing, Mexican drug cartel, this could be a Netflix series. So. It could the be. thing here is that everybody, I, I, I don't know, Roger, you've been in both, so you can tell me. I feel like in general, maybe it's just me because I live in a bubble and I like somebody doesn't like me. I don't want to know about it. I just like go to about happening. 
Um, but I do think, like, in general, the case community here is pretty much friendly and, like, supportive of each other to at least some degree. Versus yeah. it sounds like Florida, everybody's at each other's throats. Florida. Maybe. <laughs> a it it's can a be crazy down there. a bit clicky. Yeah. I think but, I mean, in New Jersey now, yeah. too, though. Yeah, New Jersey's completely... And, and that's changing some, but... It, right. it's it's in all communities right so we we have it up here too we it, it's a little bit different the the roots of it is in a different spot some of it's association driven up here it's a little bit more of a association driven and some of it's a, you know yeah that's a whole lot that's northeast is whose boat you on whose boat you on whose boat you on and that that apparently puts you on some sort of linear path to to greatness or failure i don't know what's going on with that but apparently you know and i've, I've actually talked to my guys about that the people who i dive with i'm like you, you know we, we have to play our cards correctly with who we're diving with and how we're diving that's ridiculous but we do um nonetheless uh but i mean even with those those clickinesses and the intricacies i mean it's it comes back to the fact that you have to have experience in those areas to, to actually come through it. And we've seen, we've seen issues in different areas, similar to Florida from, and I'm outside the community. So I'm speaking semi out of turn, but from what I've seen and, and observed and, and I've, I've got some, some information on some of the stuff, but you know um, it's, you got to be careful with, with how you go about things. And there's lots of in intricacies that you don't understand. And as a, just a diver, that's one thing. And as a, as an instructor, that's even through the roof, even further, because you're trying to, you know, when we educate people on how to dive, like when I take a group down to Jersey to teach them how to dive, like, all right, so here's the etiquette that goes involved with this. You get a milk crate. That's it. Buy one from the shop. We have them. They're all on the floor. You get a milk crate. That's it. Don't bring seven bags with you. Like, I don't care what you did on vacation. You get a milk crate and your tanks done, like deal with it. Um, you know, and there's different intricacies and, and, you know, in different areas. I mean, uh, I'm not sure about South Carolina, North Carolina. That's a little bit more. It's not uh, so bad in South Carolina. Yeah. North Carolina. There's not, there's not enough diamonds. There's not yeah. enough diamonds. Yeah. So it's Jersey a... is dead on milk crate. That's what you got um, up here by us. It's a little bit more. I mean, we've got. You know the the big season's eight weeks long, and then it's a little bit longer for like if you're really diving, diving. So it's a little bit different. But there's all those intricacies. But like like Natalie and Roger were saying for for those Florida areas, if you if you don't know as an instructor, then you don't know as an instructor. And if you're traveling and getting that, just coming down and it's your first couple of days down there, and you're like, oh, I know how this whole thing goes. Like um, I think Roger, you said it is you don't know what just happened. You you don't know maybe something has changed. Maybe one of the caves is closed now because someone was there that wasn't and talked back. Um, so uh, those sorts of things kind of happen. Natalie, uh, it appears as though you've made a longer list, um, and I see you. I see you jotting. Uh, we don't have a ton of time. We can come back. Why don't we grab like one or two maybe big points you'd like to make from your list? <laughs> I, I think we covered most of the big Okay. Points. So we're just crossing them out and checking them off now. I would just say the final thing would be like the entitlement attitude you see uh, uh, of cave divers coming down here sometimes. So like they are like, coming into the cave and they're so awesome and they're going to give you like Twitter places to let you die, let them dive on your land. And like, I get to come here and I get to dive here and this is like my right. So like you have no right to dive anywhere in Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, it's all within the landowners 
like pleasure if you can dive there or not. And this, um, you're not supporting the whole family with your 200 pesos that they get once or twice a week in remote dive sites. So they're actually accepting a huge amount of liability for very little money and mm -hmm. the risk of you dying in their cave. So the only possible way you should treat these people is with reverence. These people, <laughs> these people own the site and you can go dive in the most magical places on the planet as long as you're polite and share that love of their place with them. Right? But if they tell you to be out by four, you should be out by four. If they tell you, you know what, we're closed on Sunday, you don't get to make a fuss about it and complain. You say, oh, okay, well, can I come Monday? Or like, oh, I'll hit you up next time. Thank you so much. So there yep. is a little bit of an entitlement attitude I see with people coming down or both instructors and just local, like divers who are just coming to visit. They get like super upset at the landowners and things or like break the rules of the landowner they ask. Like they want you to like park in the weirdest space possible that makes no logical complaint. Mm -hmm. Just do what they ask yeah. to keep diving and don't like, because each, each cave diver, whether it's a local diver or a foreign diver or an instructor or a visiting instructor is very much a representative of the cave community as a whole. We're all just cave divers. If one person misbehaves, we lose sense. Well, that's all diving. Like we run into that with shore sites up here and, and yeah. it's, we're, we're guests in a lot of different areas. But I always talk about the fact that we're gray area. Are we swimmers? No. Are we boats? No. We're in this weird gray area that no one ever talks about. So if we're yeah. shore diving, they could make up, well, you're swimming. You can't be here uh, or you can, you're, you're, you know, you're whatever. Um, James Comfort brings up a very good point. How often does someone need to teach at a site and how far away is local? So this is just like how many dives do you need before you should be, should you should take a deco class? Uh, okay, like uh, 10. I've seen people that have got 150 to 200 dives. I've seen instructors that are deco instructors that shouldn't even be diving deco. Um, like, you know, the same general idea. How far away? Like if somebody is coming, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, I knew that the, the comments would get crazy. I'm going to leave that down there. Um, so uh, there is no answer, James. Like that, that's that's the idea. Oh, is, I'll make oh, it. Oh, here it comes. We, so we don't have to answer James. I would say you need to have dived it immediately before you're teaching there. So, like, let's say somebody wants to come teach at the, where I live, which is Taj Mahal Sanote. Uh, I would say if you dove it last year, even if you know it really well and you haven't dived it this year, you should definitely dive it a few times before you start teaching there because lines and things do change. Yep. So you need to be updated. Like, absolutely, you should have dived the lines you're going to teach before you're, you take your students there because things do change. And then uh, the other thing would be, I don't like, I, I would just say like what my students say, like what I tell, sorry, what I tell to like my guides, like take a blank piece of paper, draw me a pretty quick stick map with key features and all the jump lines you're gonna pass and where they go. Can you do that off the top of your head with approximate swim times? Then you know the cave, right? Like then you know where you are. Like you just like, here you go, take the paper, do it. You can do it, fine. You know your basics sometimes use points, a couple of key features in the cave that are references and you've dived it recently enough to know if the lines have been changed since last year. I would say that would be a, a reasonable familiarity. In all fairness, John and I could do that with Rex in New Jersey and we just, and, and North Carolina, South Carolina, we just take a piece of paper and write, just black it all out. And then that's, that's, it. <laughs> that's what we've got. And then you just put it right here and you're good. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> and somebody who's familiar with the environment might try to actually draw a boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. If they try to draw a boat, no, there's, there's no boat. There's just this blackness and kind of like metal and maybe yeah, it's I mean, so, so they draw you an actual boat you know they don't know what they're talking about touche fair enough i'll <laughs> give you that 
Oh, too funny. Um, so that is a fairly good answer. I'll give you that answer. Like that, that is absolute, but there is no hard and fast. Like you have to dive five times and then you don't have to, it's a hundred miles. There, there's nothing, but you should be well-versed in those things. Like I have trimix dives coming up on the Jodry um, at the end of when the hell am I doing that? I don't know. September, October, I need to get out there. And because I've been diving, but you coming up, <laughs> I'm doing the Jodry a couple of times. So I got to make sure I get out there and refresh on that rack because I have dove on it. I've taught on it, but I need to exact same thing is I've been diving the other rack. So I should probably jump on that rack and, and do that a little bit before I go ahead and start. Um, I should definitely not even not should I, I should definitely, I am definitely going to jump on that rack and get a little bit of time on that rack before I actually go ahead and, and teach on it and get the depth on that. Cause it's a little bit, it's a little, and you just swim out blindly into a channel. Um, so, right? Like the references, the wrecks can change a little bit. Things mm -hmm. can like degrade a bit. Like, yeah. So it's nice to know what the current situation of the site you're familiar with is. I've Absolutely. got a good pornography reference. <laughs> Excellent. Do it, Raj. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was actually it, one of the, the earliest pornography cases in the United States was about James Joyce's book, Ulysses. Mm -hmm. uh, it was raised by, I forget, a, a group of librarians, I think, who refused to carry the book because they insisted it was pornography. And it went all the way up to a federal judge who sort of famously ruled, it's not pornography. I can't tell you why. Simply because you kind of know pornography when you see it. And this isn't it. And that I feel like is the same kind of answer to the question of like, well, how frequently do you need to dive a place? Like, well, there's there's no hard and fast answer, but you've got a sense of it. Like you just, you feel whether it's right or wrong. And if it feels a little wrong, then maybe you need to back up a little bit. So much credit. They're gonna be like, oh yeah, I did the gold line before I know it. Yeah, let's go. I I, I feel I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I loved I loved Roger's answer until Natalie was like Natalie was like, Yeah, I'll screw you, Roger. That's not it. <laughs> it was a great answer. Nat was like, Nope, no, Roger, that is not it. Better luck next time. I just Natalie. wanted to bring up pornography. Yeah, like, Natalie says no. Nat, Nat, that's the ruling. Yeah. Veto that and veto you, Roger. Yeah, we should just. I've got to figure out a way to make Nat the big screen and all of us the little screen, and Nat can just like judge us. You guys are getting <laughs> off topic. <laughs> that tends to happen here. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I love it. Uh, we are at an hour 10, which means that we have exceeded the time that my wife allows me to be at my shop at night. So uh, I should probably go home and hang out. But uh, I really enjoyed having conversations with you guys. Um, short closing commentary. You know, we're going to start John and go to Nat. Um, short closing commentary on your thoughts of... Uh, well, this should have brought up Gigi instead of porn, Raj. Um <laughs> From Derek, um, put that back there. So, John, closing comments in any way, shape, or form. Go ahead, my man. Uh, it's really, really, really difficult to be a traveling instructor. It's really, really difficult to be a technical diving instructor if you're not doing it full time. You might can do it. It's gonna be pretty hard. Uh, uh, I had to give, for me at least, I had to give it my full attention to be the best I could be, uh, and continuing 
to learn more every day. Um, uh, I try to take at least four continuing education courses a year with the different instructors to learn different things. Uh, to me, it would be hard to do that part-time or traveling a lot to these sites. But uh, I would say uh, if you're going to do it, you got to work hard at it. So uh, to be good. So. Nice. And to, uh, to, to, to like translate a little bit, uh, Mike can do it. It means you might be able to do it. That's the South Carolina thing. Mike can do it. Mike yeah. can. You might, yeah, can. Mike, I can. Yeah, you that's might uh, can. you might be able to do so. Um, yeah, you all right. Ross, oh. <laughs> right. really curious about Southern Carolina. Uh, it's, it's a whole there's a lot of I'll show you some spots. You're fixing a lot of things. All right, um, Roger, what you got? Closing comments. I don't know that I got anything. Fair I think enough. It's been a lovely, wide ranging discussion. It has. And, I mean, and after your last commentary and Nat just being like, no, um, I would yeah, sorry, no, I'm, I'm I'm see how you're gun shy completely. Um, no, I probably should have. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know it. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of scared, but Nat just short, you know, 30 minutes, 30 seconds to a minute, like 30 <laughs> seconds to a minute. What are your closing comments there? I think with technical diving, uh, guest instruction in places you're not intimately familiar with, meaning you're diving that place regularly, is idiotic. And you shouldn't train with somebody like who's offering to do that with you if they don't actually live in the place or dive there regularly um, for reasons not only with familiarity with the dive sites, but as we said, safety factors, safety infrastructure, hospitals, etc., language, understanding of local customs like trespass where the appropriate diving sites are, having that whole network that you get where you live somewhere. Um, if somebody is going to guest instruct here, the best thing for them to do is to work with a local dive shop. He's basically going to like babysit them and hold their hand through it and help them out, send guides if they need out with the group and things. And then it's a little bit more acceptable. A little bit. Uh, once again, I disagree. They should just hand them off. Like that's like, accept your limitations and hand them off is my personal opinion. Just hand well, off. And go you, work, you do work with the Korea group who comes down. They speak only Korean. I don't know any Korean. Fair enough. I'll give you that. Good instructors here. The instructor is good. We send one of our guides with them the whole time to make sure it all stays on, on par. Cause like we can't teach the people. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's reasons, but then you know you've got the shot babysitting you. I think it's a is it ideal? Absolutely not. Do I love it? Not really, but I don't see a better way to do it. So there's there's situations. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to address one more comment before I pull you guys out and go. Um, do you need to invite me to South Carolina, or I'll be scared to visit? I was there last November or October. We went back to visit Clemson University to go to a football game because that is my alma mater. I spent five years in South Carolina, so there I would be back at any point in time. My, uh, the, I'm a little bit slow picking up the language down there, but I can, I can get it. You know, it's, it's. I probably shouldn't teach down there because I don't know the native language, but I, I pick it up. I speak a little fast down there for the you guys down there, but uh, you wouldn't I understand don't, the thing. No, Joseph Glenn doesn't understand a goddamn thing I say. So uh, <laughs> I try to slow it down. I, I speak, you know, two syllable words. That's the most I can do um, for Joseph. So I, I slow it down. Um, he's Georgia, but whatever. Um, so, oh, Jesus. Clemson does football. Yeah. Clem and you, you need to spell Clemson right, Derek. Jesus. Like, yeah. Clemens, Clemson does Clemens football. Does yeah. Football. Clemens, Clemens does not. I don't even know where Clemens is. You're a moron. My God. All right. So, um, Thank you very much. I'm going to pull you guys out. I'm going to say goodbye to our guests, and then I'll say goodbye to you guys. Sound good? Sounds good. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. All right.
right, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in and watching our show. Uh, as always, I'll throw a banner up there. You can subscribe. It's going to be right over the microphone on YouTube. Uh, Facebook doesn't really have a subscription thing. So if you were looking to subscribe and kind of take a look at what we got going on and watch them later on, YouTube is the way to go. Uh, we have the glassware from um, that has got the doesn't come with whiskey in it, but you can put whiskey in it and uh, some hooded sweatshirts. And, and we got the Patreon as always. Um, like I said, we are actually just upgraded 1080p and doing a little bit more high def type stuff. So we are growing and uh, developing. We're actually approaching 7,000 people on Facebook. So it's pretty sweet. Uh, we enjoy doing it. We, every other Wednesday is kind of how we settled in during the winter. We might do it a little bit more, but I want to thank you guys for joining us and we will continue to stir up some hornet's nests and, and have some conversations and see what we can do. So thank you again. I really appreciate it and have a wonderful night guys. Take care.